Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome along. It's a brand new episode of Writer's Routine, where we take a peek inside the daily working life of an author. And this week, it's Nuala Elwood. Her debut thriller, My Sister's Bones, it achieved rave reviews a few years ago. Huge success. It plonked her onto the Observer's New Faces of Fiction list for 2017. And we talk about how that initial wave of hype affected her writing routine going into her second book, The Follow-Up, and how she coped with that pressure. Also, we look at her plotting and planning and how, for her, writing linearly is the only way it works. And we talk about the idea for the novel, that initial germ of a concept, and how it was inspired by a writing tour and chatting to new mothers who were struggling to find time to be creative themselves. A lot of the, the young women, particularly that I met who had young children, would say to me how they felt guilty about writing uh, while they had their child, you know, that it was seen as a guilty pleasure, something to do you know, in the dead of night or while the child was asleep, and it was seen as a luxury. And we looked at the, you know, that, that idea that creativity is a luxury, I found fascinating and also quite quite depressing really that, that we don't celebrate creativity or, or value it as much. It's all on the way in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, hello. My name's Dan. Thank you so much for giving us a listen, for giving Writer's Routine a try. Uh, by the way, if you've not subscribed to us yet and you enjoy what you hear on this episode... Please do try it out. Uh, it's the easiest way of getting all our episodes as soon as they're out there. You don't even need to move. They'll download automatically to wherever you get your pods from. And if that place where you get your pods from um, is Apple, another thing that you can do is leave us a review. Drop us five stars if you can. It'll take barely a minute of your time and it's the best way that you can help out this show because it lets people who need the help and advice of the writers that we have find the help and advice of the writers that we have. I promise it takes seconds and it'll be so helpful to us here. Now, today's author sharing her writing routine is Nuala Elwood. Back in 2017, she published My Sister's Bones, uh, which critics said rivaled The Girl on the Train and Gone Girl. It gave her huge reviews, massive acclaim. And she's back with a second book. It's called Day of the Accident. It's all about Maggie, who wakes up from a coma to find her daughter is dead and just about everyone is saying that it's her fault. Now, you can find out how that was written through the chat. Also, we talk about the moment that the initial idea popped into her head and, and why, for her, 
it's really important to remind mothers, new mothers, that storytelling, being creative, getting your ideas out there, it's one of the most important outlets that they have, that everyone can write and be creative whenever you've got a spare second. We'll also get a top writing tip about why your fingers and your pen isn't always the most important part of storytelling. So that's on the way after we get into it with Nula Elwood this week. And we start, as always, by hearing about where she sits down to write. My desk looks out onto the street, (laughs) but all around me I have things that uh, are relevant to the book that I'm writing at the time. So I have uh, images, pictures. Um, So, for example, for the day of the accident, uh, I had a lot of Virginia Woolf uh, things around me because Virginia Woolf is is featured quite a lot in the book. Um, I've actually moved into a new house. So when I was writing The Day of the Accident, which is all uh, centred around the river, my desk was actually overlooking another River Ouse, which is the River Ouse in York, um, the River Ouse in Day of the Accident. Is, is in Sussex. So that was fantastic because when you're writing about a river and you're, you're looking directly out onto one and you're seeing how people interact with the river, you're seeing how it changes through the seasons, through the, you know, each part of the day, that was just invaluable for me. Um, so that was wonderful for the day of the accident. But I've now moved into a new house, uh, which hasn't got as beautiful a view but um, I've got all those things around me that, that to inspire me. I've got uh, little keepsakes and good luck charms. I have this Whitby Lucky Duck. Have you heard of a Whitby Lucky Duck before? No. Well, when you go to Whitby, there's a shop. So Whitby's the jet, Whit- so yeah. very famous for jet. Yeah. Very famous for jet. And Whitby is the North Yorkshire coastal town. When you go there, uh, there's a shop that sells Lucky Ducks, which are glass ducks, each with... Um, uh, individual uh, birthstones. For example, I'm amethyst because I'm February. And um, my little thing, because all writers have a quirk or a superstition, is each proof copy of the book that's coming out at the moment or about to come out, I will put my lucky duck on top of the book to bring it luck. And I've done it with each of the books and it's so far touch wood, it seems to have worked. So that, that they're my little desk quirks. Um, and then... Once all that's in place, I can start to write. <laughs> well, let's, you've got quite a few traditions there mm-hmm. with the lucky duck and, and also the, the other things that are around mm-hmm. y- your room while you're writing. How did that start? Did you, when you were initially writing years and years ago before you were published, mm-hmm. w- were you writing like that or was it just for the debut that you thought maybe this might help? Sometimes it's not even deliberate, it just happens. And I think something like the lucky duck, you do it once and it's brought you luck, so so you continue. But I do like to have things around me that that will uh, prompt me um, about the the, the book that I'm writing or or inspire me. So images are very important to have around. Um, I also have, for this one, I I mean, I'm a big fan of Virginia Woolf, so I I always have her, her writing to hand, but I have her diary next to me and I'll read a little bit of her diary each day particularly for the day of the accident because the character the main character Maggie is uh, a mother who is hasn't been published she's writing a book and and she's she's 
obsessed almost with, with Virginia Woolf. She lives in the the village where Virginia Woolf lived and died. So um, hearing and reading her words as I was writing this book it was it was quite uh, quite interesting and, and inspiring. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so I have all these these things around me to prompt me and and hopefully bring me luck. And of course, my my laptop, which I wouldn't get very far without. But I also do quite a bit of, of uh, longhand writing as well. Um, in the initial stages of the idea, I'll write in longhand, which I think um, helps a lot. Tell me a bit more about the longhand. Then is there, is there a cut off point when you'll start to write down? Is it the first draft is all longhand? Is there what's the deal? Yeah, it's mainly ideas. I've got I've got lots of notebooks. I know now nowadays we have phones with notes uh, applications on them and all those things. But for me, the the, the kind of hand to brain connection of of writing in a notebook really does help. Um, and it's usually before the first draft um, when I'm getting all sorts of ideas coming at me left, right, and centre for a new book or a new idea I jot everything down and and uh, only I can make sense of it I think if anybody picked it up and tried to make head nor tail of it they'd have some difficulty um, but when it gets to the first draft I definitely um, then go on to the to the laptop because deadlines are calling and at that point you do feel that you need to to, to get started um, but I also I'm, I'm quite a physical writer in a lot of ways as well this may sound strange but um I like to really get into a character and the character's voice. So as I, as I'm writing, I'll invariably get up, walk around, I'll start talking, I'll start, um, particularly for dialogue, I like to, to, to talk out loud quite a lot to, to make sure that the dialogue is authentic. Um, I used to be a singer, so I'm very used to kind of performance and 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 uh, and, and the physical side of, of creativity and expression. So and that has strangely enough come out in my in my writing. Um, and I often say it's a real kind of it's 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 um, quite lucky that I don't share an office space because I think I'd be the most irritating uh, you know office companion in the world because it's oh she's up again she's walking <laughs> she's talking what's she talking about she's talking about murder um, so yeah th- there's that side too which is a little bit <laughs> unique but uh, that that's how um, in certain scenes I like to 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 get that dialogue across not for all of them I may add I'm, I'm, I'm you know quite I sit still for the rest of it and but. how are your accents then yeah that well, <laughs> accents are kind of important too because you don't want to kind of have any cliches particularly when it comes to dialogue I I, I spend a lot of time listening to people uh, when I'm out and about and, and on my travels and and picking up you know their mannerisms and quirks and turns of phrase and uh, you know if you're writing about somebody from and it's this really gets me a northern character for example you get it so much in in drama and in literature that you've got the archetypal e by gum whatever and don't speak like that you know so if I am trying to uh, write a character from a place that I'm not familiar with or the accent I like to go to that place and uh, as well as get a feel of the landscape which is something that really inspires my books get a feel of of the people and how they talk and how they interact because I think there's nothing more insulting (laughs) than somebody who isn't from your area writing dialogue in an accent that that is cliched Uh, so so that's really important too just listening and hearing the voices. So the show's called Writer's Routine Nula talk us through yours the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed 
uh, on a day when you are sat down to write and parading around your house doing different voices? How does how does it work? Leave no like tedious stone unturned. Okay, well, um, so usually I'm up at uh, seven o'clock. I've got a little boy, Luke, who is eleven, and so I'll be spending the first half an hour of my day um, yelling at him to get out of bed. Every morning, I think I'm going to be very zen-like this morning and calm, and we're going to get to school on time, and it never works out. So we end up kind of. Uh, get out of bed and so it's getting his breakfast getting all the the school run things organized so once I've dropped Luke off to school and back I will spend usually the first half an hour to 45 minutes dealing with emails and admin getting that out of the way and on a realistic day I'll start at about 10 30 11 o'clock to really start writing it depends at what stage of the writing you're at if you're at still at the creative side and getting the ideas together, then maybe I'm not at my desk. Maybe I've gone to research something or gone to visit the place where the book is set, which is something I really like to do, which would be um, going there. If it's somewhere far flung, then it's staying over and you're working in the hotel, which is sometimes a really good place to work because you're away from all distractions. Um, If I'm at the, say, copy editing stage and the more kind of... Uh, focused stage of writing then it's a very different feel to the day because you kind of know what to expect and you um, kind of are following a, a, a line really you're following your editor's notes and you, and you know what the deadline is and you, you kind of it's a much more structured feel um, but for me um, the the sense of working as though it were a, a proper working day, I think, is very important and to have boundaries, especially when you work from home, because the, the danger there is that you could work all night long if you let yourself. And I think it's really important to, to stop and to have a cutoff point, go back to it the next day when you're feeling fresh and ready to go again. And I think it was Ernest Hemingway who's, who said that always leave uh, finish your sentence uh, on, a, on a good point. Don't finish when you're struggling because you're going to be struggling when you go to it the next day and the thought of that is really... Oof. So uh, always try and leave on, on a positive or stop on a positive. And then the evenings will be either... I mean, I do a lot of my reading in the evenings. Uh, cooking, I love to cook because that just... It's completely head in my... You know, getting out of my head, doing something practical and, and, and cooking for, for others and and, uh, and going out if it's... If, if that's the case but yeah it's it's stepping away from the desk I think it's very important when you work from home to to have that kind of workspace and then your home space and your relaxation space and and getting back into kind of uh, your own head (laughs) and out of the characters I work in a linear way so I'll work from start to finish I'll start with either prologue or chapter one and work all the way through so I set myself it's usually um, one to two chapters a day Um, ideally so I'll I'll know in advance and I'll have that written down because before I begin begin the first draft I do a chapter by chapter breakdown of everything that happens I didn't always do this but I started to do this with the last book and it helps enormously because things will change as the drafts go along but if you have that kind of loose structure there in front of you to work with you know what's going to happen 
at that point from start to finish and you can work your way along it can really help kind of uh, just focus you otherwise you you know it, it can be quite quite challenging very quickly on the on that loose chapter structure then mm. how loose is it what 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 does it take the form of what if if i picked one up right now what would i see inside um, on of the chapters, so it would just be a precy almost of uh, like a synopsis, really, uh, but just chapter by chapter. Uh, uh, this is what happens in this chapter. It won't have all of the nuances and emotion or, or drama, but it'll be hinted at. So you, it's just a breakdown, almost bullet point. Chapter one, this, 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 and this happens. Chapter two, and so forth. So it's uh, that that's something that I've started to do. I didn't always do that. I, uh, it, it was you know before I think when you have a deadline and when you sign a contract and, and the deadline is looming it, it makes you kind of do things like that a bit more focus in a bit more and think right I need to know exactly what happens and also when you're presenting your uh possible potential work you're pitching your work to your agent and editor they have to know what's what happens um you can't just give them a loose uh, you know, pricey of they need to know is this going to end? Is this going to be resolved properly? Is this got the right amount of, of drama, particularly with with a thriller? Um, and is this going to work? So, expanding on that quickly, how much do you know about a story before you sit down to write it? Do you know every single twist and turn that this is going to take? Do you leave yourself any wiggle room for perhaps a character to to go off and do their own thing and try and surprise you? All the time. Yeah, I've got I've got the loose structure there, but as soon as you start to write, the characters will start to, to form and it'll go in directions that you hadn't anticipated at all. And uh, and that's that's the my favourite thing about writing is when that happens. It's the magic I I, I describe it as. It's 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 the moment where the characters that have just been in your head suddenly, you know, start to take on a life of their own and they go in directions that you didn't think they ever would. Uh, and that happens by um, just sticking with it and writing it, and uh, and as it starts to develop, um, it's it's a really interesting thing. And yes, so it's not a rigid uh, plan, but it gives you it gives you a, a, a loose sense of structure. But there's always space within that for for the characters to to really develop and for the story to go off in directions that you hadn't anticipated. That's happened with me in every book I've written. Let me quickly take you back to to, to your, the office that you write in. Mm-hmm. You, you're obviously quite an extensive planner and researcher. Mm-hmm. What form does that take around the room? You, you know, have you got a, a big whiteboard perhaps with things on there? Have you got scattered notes, post-its perhaps, or is it just in your head? Um, it's in this house <laughs> that I've just moved into. I haven't got the whiteboard. I did have that in my last house and it almost looked like a, a kind of a police investigation <laughs> room with all these strange notes that again would only make sense to me. Um, I do, so I, I, I have lots of images, images to kind of inspire me the most really. So I have pictures around me on the wall around, uh, with, for example, the, the the book that I've just finished writing was all set in in a remote part of the Yorkshire Dales, and it centres around a lake. So I had lots of lake imagery and crags and and hills and things like that. Um, the rest of it is uh, the, the the actual plot itself, rather than being on post-it notes. That's on my I'll have already planned that out on my chapter by chapter uh, plan, which I'll have to hand 
and um, but otherwise I don't like to sit looking at that on a wall because it wouldn't you know doesn't really inspire me it's more just the, the trigger of the imagery and also when you're describing a particular uh, landscape or, or part of the landscape it's wonderful to have that in front of you so you can um, really do it justice but again for me I do but massive part of my research is going out there and, and experiencing the, the landscape itself um, I, I spent my childhood uh, I grew up in the countryside and I spent my childhood going on long hikes and walks with my dad and that was when we talked about everything, uh, books life, politics as we're walking through through the, mainly the, the dales and and for me I still get that feeling when I go into any kind of, of landscape um, and, and things start from, from, from that, things start to I think my brain's the cogs start whirring as I'm walking, walking really does help help me uh, get ideas. So when I go out and do that research, that's kind of really uh, what inspires me and and, um, and excites me. So that, I think that's my, my favourite part of, of, of the process, really. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A huge thanks to you, by the way, for the writing tips that you've been sending through to me all week. I got a nice little haul of them. I'll share them with you in the next few weeks, which means that you've got some time uh, to send me a message if you want to get involved. If you've got a little thing that helps get your work done, maybe some incredible advice that you've been told on a writing retreat, something like that, uh, a little tip that changed your day, well, let me know what it is and I will share it on this show. Uh, you can tell me by firing over on Twitter. We are at WritersPod on there. You can find us on Instagram at WritersRoutine. Uh, and you can also send us a message and listen to all the shows that we've done so far and get all the ways to hear our shows on the website, which is WritersRoutine.com. And while we're talking about writing tips, let's get today's one from a professional. Susan Lewis, a hugely prolific author, published tons of books across loads of genres. She's had a pretty wild and varied life too. And she's here to share a tip all about how sometimes your ears are the most important part of storytelling. My name is Susan Lewis. My new book is called One Minute Later. And my writing tip is to listen not really about writing but about listening and it's about listening to the voices that are going on in your head which are trying to inform you about a story if you will just listen and of course to listen to people around you and listen to the way they speak listen to what matters to them because it's all actually feeding 
inspiration to you. So I, my tip really is to listen. Now, you can get more tips and advice from Susan Lewis because she starred in last week's show. You can hear it now wherever you get your podcasts from. And it's also over on our website, which is writersroutine.com. Let's get back to today's star guest then, Nula Elwood. She's back after a superb debut novel uh, with Day of the Accident. It's a thriller that tells Maggie's story as she wakes up from a coma to find her daughter is dead. And to make things worse, she's being blamed for the whole thing. Now we pick things up in this second half, talking about the new novel, about writing it, and about why motherhood has played such a huge part in the idea. Well, Day of the Accident is set around the River Ouse in Sussex, which is where Virginia Woolf uh, took her own life in 1941. Um, I I lived in in Chichester for a time in Sussex when I was pregnant with my little boy, who was now 11. And during those kind of... He was... The months before he was born, I would walk along that that stretch of, of river, and uh, it's an amazing uh, landscape because the river w- kind of meanders through the fields and it just emerges as you're walking through the fields. It's it's a very strange and quite eerie marshland feel to it, um, and I remember thinking then. Um, there's all sorts of ideas going through my head at the time about motherhood, which is a, a, a key theme in the book, and 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 how you balance being creative, being a writer with motherhood or parenthood, all of the things that that brings with it. But then fast forward about seven or eight years after that, and I took part in a project called Writing Motherhood with Carolyn Jess Cook, who's an award-winning poet and author. And uh, this project, um, we went around for two of the sessions I joined in, uh, going around the country to talk to mothers uh, who wanted either mothers who wanted to write, or or had been writers, and how uh, motherhood inspires their work. And it was going. We were challenging the Cyril Connolly quote about the the pram in the hall being the enemy of good art, and we found absolutely that that was that was uh, just found to be a nonsense. Uh, but it was one. A, a lot of the the young women, particularly that I met who had young children, would say to me how they felt guilty about writing uh, while they had their child, you know, that it was seen as a guilty pleasure, something to do, you know, in the dead of night or while the child was asleep and it was seen as a luxury. And we looked at, the, you know, that, that idea that creativity is a luxury, I found fascinating and also quite, quite depressing, really, that, that we don't celebrate creativity or, or value it as much. And that led me to the, the character of Maggie, the main character in Day of the Accident, somebody who... Has, hasn't had the best start in life. She's had a troubled childhood and adulthood. Uh, she, things that had happened to her in her past, which I won't give it away because it, 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 too many spoilers. Uh, but she, she becomes a mother, but she's got all of this uh, kind of pent up uh, need to, to write and, and she finds no outlet for that. And she's trying, trying to kind of, of make up for lost time because she, she didn't get the opportunity to go to university or to do well at school because of the thing that happened to her in her, in her youth. And so it's through that character that, that I, I wanted to explore that idea really about how we, uh, feel the need to justify creativity in a way that we don't do with, with any other, uh, kind of, 
part of ourselves you know that it's seen, still seen as a luxury or something to be to be done in in, uh, in private I mean I get that quite a lot with even as a writer you know oh, you're so lucky or you know it's not not you, know, you work very hard or, or you have a talent it's all it's all about luck um, or, or it's it's something that is uh, that people can't get the head around that you actually make a living from something creative um, so then yeah and then setting it in that t- um, part of the world Sussex and where the the ooze comes through the the, the landscape like that I just found particularly because this is a psychological thriller that plays with people's minds Maggie's daughter has died in a car crash but she's convinced she's still alive and as she's she she returns to her her, the house where her family home she's seeing Elspeth, the little girl, amongst gravestones. She's seeing her weaving in and out of the river. The river's actually played a massive part in Maggie's background uh, and, and the dark, horrible incident that brought her to, to this point. Uh, so I think it it was a bit of a... It was a gem, really, having that, that landscape in this book because it lends itself to uh, mind games and, and you know, what you, you're not quite sure that what you, you're seeing is real or just a trick of the eye. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was wonderful. I'd like to explore that a, a bit more, if, if we may, in, in a way that won't give too much away. Mm-hmm. We've already discussed how, you know, you do have this chapter by chapter synopsis going the whole way through. You've got more or less an idea of what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that initial idea. Mm. But how do you link the two together? So when you've come up with that idea about, about Maggie and, and about creativity and about motherhood, then what comes next? How are you sitting down thinking, you know, as a genre author, mm. I need a plot for this. Yeah. I need to make sure it ticks, you know, a certain amount of psychological thriller boxes. Uh, how do you sit down and do that? Mm-hmm. I think for me with this one, it was thinking about my worst nightmare and what would be the worst thing to possibly happen to me. And that would be the loss of a child. And then I read actually about the precariousness of the river in Sussex and how there there, are, there have been quite a few accidents. And so that started to, to worry in my head, All right, okay, she's driving a car, she's going out to, to somewhere we, that we, you know, we, we don't know where, she's bundled her child into the back of it and, and an accident happens. And the, uh, f- for, for the story, I had, that was going to be the beginning. And then I thought, no, actually, let's have her waking up with absolutely no recollection of this thing happening. And then she has to piece together with the reader what's happened because Maggie at the beginning of this novel is just as much in the dark as the reader she's going to have to retrace her steps and find out what it is that's happened to her daughter so that kind of um from from getting the idea of of a car going into the river a a mother consumed with guilt not only with what's happened but because she feels that she's given too much attention and time to her her other side her side that isn't mothering her creativity and uh, and and the mystery so it's, it's you get this idea and what you need to do is hold back and hold back and hold back so you know in your head what's going to happen but you've got to to kind of structure it in such a way that the readers keep you on guessing and I think that's that's how I progressed from there it's just just you know but just have it that the reader is just as much in the dark as the main character here so that that really helped particularly with with writing a thriller it was just um kind of and that's the most difficult thing is to hold back i think when you you have the whole story in your head and you've got to kind of keep back and uh, and just put little hints in um but yeah that that's basic it's difficult to describe 
exactly how you do that because it does just tend to come but uh, that's yeah a rough idea is your role as an author when you write a story like this is it to ask questions of the tale that then you find out the answers as you're writing or is it to already know the answers and work backwards to try and find a way of asking the questions it's a mixture of the two, I think, because you do have a, a rough idea of what's going to happen and you're, and you're um, asking questions. But sometimes and invariably along the way, something will lend itself or happen that you hadn't anticipated. It could be going way back to the research that when you go back to the place, it's actually not logistically possible for that to have happened. So this could have happened. And then that actually sometimes brings a brilliant part of the plot to life almost accidentally so there are parts that you're not aware of and you're just as much in the dark as the reader and the character uh but yeah but you still have a, a rough idea so i'd say it's a combination of the two really uh, this is your your second novel yeah with, with the debut i i guess i don't know if i've ever spoken to an author who's just who has had a, a successful debut and then moved on to their second um what's it like because the first one is probably got quite a lot of you know the whole cliche there are some autobiographical elements in there you've got all the time under the sun to write it then you're deadlined to write the second one how does that work how how did you find that that pressure also having had the success that you did for the first then having to come up with a completely different story have a much more constrained uh, but work environment and work time to get it down there yeah it was it was definitely a lot a lot tighter uh, but actually i found that quite helpful in a way strangely enough um the first one i uh did a lot of research the first one told the story of a female war reporter who uh returns from syria to her parents home in hern bay to find that uh very strange things are happening in the house next door but we're not sure whether they were real or whether it was a manifestation of her post-traumatic stress disorder so i did a lot of research for that novel into uh post-traumatic stress disorder uh, a lot into what was going on in Aleppo at the time. Um, I had family friends who were, my dad's a journalist and he'd, he'd gone to uh, report on post-Civil War Beirut. Uh, and it had also been inspired by Marie Colvin, who um, the late Sunday Times foreign correspondent who I'd met as, in my 20s when I worked at the Chelsea Arts Club. So lots of, there's lots of things to explore there. And I got actually got Arts Council funding to research that. So I went to Hearn Bay. I did a lot of extensive research. And yes, you're right that at that point, you've, you, it's, it's a lovely experience because you, you're immersing yourself in the research. You've got plenty of time. The day of the accident again because that was uh it was written a lot of it was written when um i was publicizing my sister's bones which was the first one so there was a tighter like constriction definitely but i actually (coughs) work really well to deadlines i think sometimes when you don't have that structure around you or that sense of of this is when it's due and and there's a pressure you can kind of i find anyway that i can procrastinate a bit too much and put things off so i actually work well to that um and there was no no room for for kind of um putting anything off you had to do this has to be done today otherwise it won't meet the deadline and sometimes you've got to be doing it on the train on your way to you know an event to publicize the first one and also because you're talking a lot about the first one but you're working on the second one you something that can get you know you'll start mentioning maggie when you're publicizing my sister's bones is oh hang on who's maggie um so, so that can sometimes overlap you know the the, the storylines of each one 
But no, I, I actually, I, I found that okay. I, I like that. I do like deadlines. So it, for me, it worked to my advantage. So lastly, uh, I guess the other form of telling stories is the actual words on the page. When you're dealing with, you know, what are quite grand ideas that happen in people's heads, what with, with, with the newest one with, you know, creativity and that's placed within motherhood and also with your debut, you know, with post-traumatic stress disorder. How much thought do you give to the words that you're putting on the page, the actual language that you are using to convey these emotions? Uh, that's my favourite bit, really. I, I love the, the, the kind of... Um, I guess the craft of writing. The craft of writing. Um, my dad, uh, uh, who is... Um, he's, he's a journalist. He was a TV journalist. And he inspired me in so many ways. And he said to me when I was little, he said, words have value, do them justice. And I mentioned that at the end in my acknowledgements of my sister's bones because um, particularly when you're dealing with, as you say, very big issues, particularly post-traumatic stress disorder, I was dealing also with a a war that was going on as I was writing it, so it was changing, uh, you know, uh, with each part of this, you know, dreadful thing. And you want to do that justice and do justice to the people who are suffering within that from people who are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder who are trapped in war zones who've lost a child you know these are big issues so you have to be yeah I was very very careful uh, not only with with the words themselves but how how you know how I put them together and how I addressed those big issues um, and I've always thought that you know f- my my thing is less is more <laughs> that's how I approach at, uh, my writing and uh, the power of suggestion and kind of concealing the art. Uh, so, yeah, that that was it, it's a big responsibility, and you want to to um, do those things justice. And so, I hope I have. <laughs> so that is it for this week's writer's routine. Massive thanks to Nuala Elwood. Uh, you can find out more details about her brand new book, Day of the Accident over on our website which is writersroutine.com have a look now over on twitter you can find a little schedule of when the new episodes are out for the next month or so because we've got chats with Callie Taylor and Jeffrey Deaver and Booker Prize nominee Adam Folds they're all out soon you can find out exactly when by giving us a follow over on twitter we are at writers pod on there now next week we're chatting to a debut novelist whose book it's just been optioned for telly Imagine how exciting that must be. You finally published your first book after years of writing it and searching for uh, someone to get it out there for you. And then, like buses, everything happens at once. Someone wants to stick it on the telly. Now, to get that episode as soon as it's out, make sure you subscribe to us through your favourite podcast place. And if that place is Apple, make sure you leave us a review as well. It takes like a minute of your time and it helps us out so much. And I'll see you next week with Harriet Tice here on Writer's Routine. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.